0: Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. In this episode, I had a chance to talk to Augie Petrovich and Eric Selvik of Artists. Artists is the only hair transplantation robot in the world. So I'm going to dive in deep on all the technical details, how Artists works, and we're going to compare Artists to the theoretically best hair harvesting person in the world. We'll see who wins that competition. We have Agi Petrovich, um, and he's been with Restoration Robotics for over 10 years. And uh, he's seen artists evolve uh, from harvesting 40 graphs in one case to now doing over 4,000 uh, in one case. Uh, his yes, current role is the Director of Research and Development. Is that right? Yes, you got it. And uh, you've worked all over the place, including Motorola, Intel, IBM, and all these products. So uh, your background is in technology and robotics and all that cool futuristic stuff that uh, uh, all of us guys uh, dream and drool about. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh-huh. And also we have Eric. Uh, Eric uh, is the Director of Product Management at Restoration Robotics. Uh, he's worked in this technology and uh, device space for about almost 20 years, although you look uh, young enough to maybe be a son of mine, so I don't know how that's possible. So maybe you started when you were like one or two?
1: <laughs> yeah, they got me started real early.
0: <laughs> and, um, and and and. Prior to working in restoration robotics, you worked at Intuitive Surgical, uh, which is also kind of in that robotics space as well. So it's, it's been kind of something it's been in your DNA, so to speak.
1: That's right. Actually, you know, I was trained as an engineer, and, and the first job I had out of college was designing robots for the semiconductor industry. And uh, since then, I've moved on to medical devices and more in, in roles in um, Uh, marketing and stuff so uh, i've kind of come full circle i've married my my love and passion for medical devices with my passion for robotics uh
0: which is interesting now i think the robots i see i have a six-year-old the robots i see my six-year-old are purely for destruction did you ever do any of those types of robots and robot wars and all those aspects or mostly to help humanity
1: well for for my part i it's always been uh sort of to hang in and stuff. I don't know. Augie may have done some fun the uh, robot war
2: type stuff. We did done. some things with drones, but uh, yeah, no, no destruction. No destruction. No big in other our.
0: Save that for my six-year-old and his, uh, <laughs> his robot wars, So, but, which is fun stuff. And you see, that's interesting because robots are being taught more and more to our, our youth as kind of a, a part of where we think the world is going, where the future is going. Um, and uh, it's interesting to see how that's evolved um, so, artists, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's the only robot in the aesthetic space and the only robot in the hair space.
1: That's correct. That's correct. Uh, this technology is quite unique in in the aesthetic medicine space. It is the first robotic solution, and in terms of, you know, when you compare it to other hair uh, transplantation, hair restoration technology, it is far and away the most advanced uh, piece of equipment that you'll find.
0: Um, so w- when you talk about the roots of artists, like where artists came from, um, and, and uh, both of you probably are, have been with uh, Restoration Robotics and know about this. So where did this start? Like it, when, the product, when it was first conceptualized, uh, where did it start and how did it come along?
2: Yeah, so this started uh, more than 10 years ago, probably about 15 years ago. Um, our founder was part of a company called Accuray and they do radio surgery with robots and um, they were looking for another medical application that's uh, tedious, difficult uh, to do where accuracy is uh, required and uh, one of the doctors mentioned, hey, there is this very uh, procedure, there is hair transplant procedure which is, uh, meets all these requirements. You should check this out and try it. And um our founder got a uh, robotic arm and started a company basically in the garage, just like uh, uh, many other silicon Valley startups that's how that's how it all started. And, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. some of the best work in the in the valley is done in people's garages here, as you can see so.
0: <laughs> Well, it worked for Steve Jobs, so it's not
1: uh and, and Hewlett and Packard and everybody else yep. right yep. Yeah.
0: okay, and so with the early robot, um, obviously there's different kind of challenges with that. Um, in the beginning stages, the robot first came out, I think it was in the market, uh, was it 2011? 2011. Uh, 2011. So the first robot comes on the market. Um, what was it like when it first came on the market and what were some of the initial things you said, okay, we've got to change this a little bit, we've got to, well, here's some of our challenges.
2: Yes. Yeah, so when we initially released the product, it was it was able to do hair transplant, it was able to harvest hair and he was, uh, he was able to assist the uh, surgeons to do that. And it was very, the number one thing that we got from the doctors is that it's very difficult to uh, to use. So you can do a big case, you can do your you know 2,000, 3,000 graft case, but it, t- it took a lot of effort on part of the surgeon. They didn't have to actually make the incisions and uh, do individual harvest by hand, but they had to tweak the robot angles, they had to tweak uh, needle depths, and it was quite a bit of uh, work, Dif- different work, but it's still quite a bit of work. So that's when we, when we decided to invest more time on machine learning, AI, to help doctors um, with those uh, problems. So the, uh, the machine now is way more automated than it used to be um, in 2011. Um, and I think that's interesting. Was the initial robot,
0: did it have the same dull and sharp uh, punches or was it a different um, harvesting mechanism? I know they were larger punches in the beginning. I think they were like, um, what were the size of the punches? And how yeah, did that- we
2: started with the 18 gauge. Uh, it's about uh, a bit uh, larger than one millimeter punch. Uh, it's the same concept, needle in a needle, needle in a punch. And uh, that um, that particular technique has not changed that much. We did Im- improve the punch over time. However, the whole clinical workflow and the software around it and um, the mechanism, the robotic arm has been improved tremendously over time.
0: And is it the same uh, arm in the 2011 robots? the same uh, base robot, or has that changed in uh, current iterations of it, or is there a different robot, um, underlying uh, robot?
2: Oh no, we we have moved to a much uh, more modern uh, robot last year, so which has uh, seven degrees of freedom. It has built-in force sensor. It's designed for medical applications. Our original robot was actually an arm that was used that's also used for automation in factories, for example, and we had to do a lot of modifications to fit it in surgeons' room. The current robot is designed for medical applications. Okay.
0: Um, and I think there's so many things to talk about, like, you know, design-wise and technique-wise about the, the robot and harvesting. Um, the thing I like about it is the the fact that you have a cutting burr and a dull burr, and that really helps with the harvesting and preserving the hair follicle. Um, I'm guessing you modeled that off of um, maybe it was like a Harris Punch. Is that is that right? Um, the original one. Uh, this is Dr. Harris in Colorado. Uh, he has a similar type of um, harvesting system because... The sharp, you need to have something sharp when it's going through there and you need to have something dull. Um, the doctors who do only sharp, and there are some devices on the market that do only sharp, they tend to transect the hairs. Uh, and the doctors who only do dull tend to like scoop up all the hairs around them. Um, so have you guys noticed anything as you've tweaked the device, any, any comments on that?
2: Yeah, we worked with uh, Dr. Harris for many, many years. So he was our principal investigator. Uh, when we were developing the harvesting system, and um, he gave us a lot of good inputs. Um, you know, our the sharper needle that we use only goes about a couple of millimeters in the skin, so that way we minimize the chance for transaction, and then the dial punch goes around the needle and cores out the follicle, so just as you mentioned, that that uh, uh, keeps the transaction uh, rates down.
0: Um, and I think um, I'm going to segue that to some of the suction-based uh, punches. And um, I'm not going to talk, there's so many differences, but there's that's the first question that sometimes people think, okay, I'm talking, I'm not going to name a brand, but we know there's a couple suction-based punch, uh, punches out there. Um, and one of the fundamental problems, I have a, a lot of problems with uh, the way the, you know, the basic science works on this and how that aspect of it works. But one of my biggest problems is as simple as the punch, uh, how it works, because it's only sharp. And if you do only sharp, you're going to have so many more transactions. It's just effect. Um and so I think that's one of my biggest issues with the suction-based devices. Um I I have a whole list of issues I have with them uh that I maybe I can talk more freely about than you guys can. Uh but uh that's that's one of those things that it's an underestimated part about the artist is how well designed that punch is, the sharp and the dough and how safe that is and how it really lowers your um that that transection rate. I'm going to define transection rate for our our, our listeners because not everyone knows what a transection is. So essentially when we're harvesting hair, uh, hair is kind of like it has a root to it and a bulb. And if you damage the bulb or damage the root, the hair is basically useless. You're taking out nothing. And basically what we're talking about is you have to be precise enough to take off we'll have a little illustration showing this. Uh, you have to be precise enough to take the hair out without damaging that ball. because if you do, you're basically doing nothing. You're damaging the patient's hair, you're losing hair. Um, so this is this is the problem, is because when you're trying to harvest hair by hand, which is called uh, FUE, or follicular unit extraction, most of the time, I say most of the time, I'm not exaggerating, most of the time I think people are transecting the hair, uh, and they're not taking the hair out properly. Um, so that's that aspect, with suction-based versus with that aspect, so that's the cutting part. Um, Uh, The other aspect is uh, the suction itself. Um, uh, I think it dries out the hair. I know lots of people off the record who don't use the suction part with it. It can desiccate the hair and have issues with it. Um, Was artists ever conceptualizing suction, or was that sort of ruled out right away during that process?
2: Conceptualized it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we do use um, suction. So um, let's let's talk a little bit. Just I want to mention about uh, Artist IX and INX punch. So we did go through dozens, probably even maybe up to a hundred uh, revisions of uh, punch and finding the best possible punch that works on uh, all kinds of skin types. It's um it's quite a bit of uh, science and uh, actually art too to find a good punch. You know, it takes you know material matters you know the machining process matters uh, a lot of the angles of uh, at the very tip uh, matters it matters how it's been stored there's a lot of uh, uh, variables that go into uh, into making a good punch so um we pay that's that's a very important part of our system and then uh, we do use suction yes so uh, we use the suction to elevate the graph a bit before um, a technician uh, picks it up um, I want to, uh, um, mention that our system has vision. So you can see on the camera those graphs that are being elevated by the needle and the punch. And then you have direct feedback how good that follicle looks like without, without using loops or anything like that because we have high magnification system. So we, um, elevate the graph so you can see uh, uh, what the quality is and you can also easily pick it up. So,
0: so with the suction, but I, I think it's a different level of suction if I'm not mistaken, because when you're using the suction on the artist, it's merely to elevate it. Because if it's you're a gentle su- suction. A gentle suction, yes. Exactly. Versus when you suck it up in a tube, I mean, you, you can do that in an artist if, if you're um, yeah. over with your cutting aspect of it, and that yeah. it, it. But if you suck all of your grafts, your, um, I think you're desiccating them because the suction's too hard, and the way those come out, there's a difference I think between leaving your hair in there and lifting it up. Again, this is me talking about that. Maybe we can have a little debate about that. Um, versus when you strip the hair out, um, I've seen the grafts on the suction-based devices, and they see when they come out, they're they're kind of really they, they call them um, skinny grafts. They're super skinny. I mean, they're like, oh my god, how are we going to put this graft in because it's so skinny? Versus you can design a graft on artists depending whether you're using a 19 versus an 18 and you can create a chubby graft. You can trim it down. We tend to trim it down and look into the scope. Um, so I think that's nice to have that flexibility versus that, that stripped down graft that tends to get suctioned out with a pure cutting suction apparatus.
1: That, that's correct. And, and really you like to see grafts that have a lot of soft tissue around them all the way down to the bottom, that fatty <clears throat> tissue and some of the, the, Uh, um, you know stem cells and all the good mesenchymal cells that are in there so we try to preserve as much tissue around the graft as we can and um, you know our system we could use we could suck it all the way into the system but uh, what we found is that just elevating it in the field letting it stay in the surgical field and then having a um, a technician very gently remove that with a a nice technique preserves the graft structure Um, it's very quick and easy to do as well.
2: And also to mention, for there are some grafts that still may be pulled out because we do have, you know, on, on some patients, it's easy to um, separate the follicle from the scalp. We have a full saline plush system which provides um, fluids for the, that graft to survive. So it's, it's not as if we are just letting, letting it die. Um, it goes in the follicle trap. It has a plenty, plenty of saline there or, or storage solution as well.
0: Um, I think one of the other parts about artists, which is interesting, um, there's there's lots of hair blogs and hair podcasts, and they always talk about how do you know how many hairs you're getting? How do you know what your transaction rate is? And if you have an artist, it's actually like a lot of this, like, counting and dealing with the the mathematical and quantitative aspects of it are actually taken care of for you. Uh, so for my aspect, in my practice, I've always been into quantification because you don't know what your outcomes are because everyone always says, I think I'm doing better. Uh, and then you look, and you look at numbers, and that can really drive your decision-making. So for me, in my practice, um, I look at something called the T-rate, the transection rate. I also look at empty sites, which can happen with um, anything. When, um, and then I look at um, – those are kind of two factors I'm looking at. So everything is quantified because – and then from a patient's perspective, uh, there are stories of patients going somewhere and saying, hey, guess what? I signed up for a 1,000 graphs or whatever graphs, and then – who knows how many you've had with the handheld punch? You have no idea. And how many were successful? There's no, there's no data behind that. On um, an artist, everything is sort of photographed and captured. You know how many were empty, how many were not empty. You know how, how successful the machine is. It'll give you a smiley face. So I think patients, from a quality standpoint, you can tell what's going on. And I think from me knowing it as, as a patient as well, I've had myself, I've had artists done, um, uh, it's nice to know what are my stats. Like, what did I? What did we bring to the table? How successful we are. Well, mm-hmm. we did great. Who cares? How many transactions did I have? Um, how many uh, graphs were sucked up? So I, you know that number. And I'm a quantified guy. I think most of my guys who do um, hair are they're into numbers. They know stats on baseball players and all that aspects of it. So I think that's an underestimated part about that, about uh, what we're talking about. So um, another aspect of that that um, going through there. Um, how accurate are, um, uh, for me as a user, when I'm looking at that, how accurate are those stats? If I'm looking at that and saying, hey, guess what, I had an empty, I had that. Uh, I mean, they seem super accurate when I'm looking at it and counting it, but your your data pool, I mean, you have a tremendous data pool. So what you, how accurate do you think they are?
1: I think the, the measurements are, are pretty accurate. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course we we count all the harvests and, you know, it, in order to, to you know, quantify the amount of transactions and things that at this point still needs a human to look at it and to say how many we transected and things. Um, but we have uh, things that will count empty sites and all that, it's quite accurate. We ha- The vision system on this um, device is, is quite um, precise and it has a resolution of like 44 microns, which is on the order of half the width of a hair. So uh, the, the, um, the system can see uh, things um, that uh, we sometimes can't And that allows it to be quite accurate when you're talking about things like counting hairs, counting follicles, counting empty sites, things like that.
0: Um, And let's talk about that vision. So when you're looking at the vision of that, um, if we compared someone wearing loops to someone with artists, just the vision aspect. So we have the the robot. We're going to compare those two. So let's do that kind of as a thought experiment of saying, so that way people can kind of understand the differences. So first we're going to go vision. So we have um, and I've done this experiment, by, by the way. I'll tell you my results at the end of this. Um, but so first of all, we're going to take the best FUE hair harvester in the world. I had the supposedly the best FUE person in the Midwest um, doing this. Um, so we're first going to do vision, um, vision on a person wearing loops versus vision with an uh, with artists with its uh, vision topic. So we'll, we'll kind of compare those two first.
1: Oh yeah, um, so. You know, I think that, um, what, would you have to have like at least 10, 10 times loops to see at that level? Or can you even, like, you know, what? Yes, yeah, I would you mean,
2: have the, to... the beauty of RS is that you don't need loops anymore. First of all, it's very hard to, right? So <laughs> you can see it on the big screen.
0: It's beyond 10x, I believe. I believe it would be, um, my, my understanding was that it would be like 12 or 14x, which I don't even think they make that.
2: that it's, a, it's about there. So, you know, we'll we like to talk usually in terms of resolution so we uh, the system can see uh, it has a resolution of about 44 microns which is just half of the hair so you can see the hair on the screen here it is and yet that's only like about 100 microns it's very highly zoomed in very very you can you can see the the shape of the follicle the caliber you know what what kind of angle it uh, um it is so um it's it's much uh, much more pleasant to work than with loops, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it captures it better than you can see with uh, with loops because there's something about it where you don't see that quite uh, the same with loops. And I think the number I've equated is anywhere from – it's probably around a 12X loop, which I don't think exists. Um, the highest loop um, – some people say they're wearing 8X loops, but if you actually measure them out, and I've done that with a couple of the loop manufacturers, I don't think that some of those – the cheaper ones that flow down – are actually 8X. Um, We've measured a couple of them and some of those are closer to 2.5 and 3X. There's nowhere near 8X. Um, So if you're looking at the screen, looking at that. So I'm gonna give the vision to artists because it's just clear in that aspect. Um, The other aspect we looked at um, is kind of comparing the two things is steadiness. This is one of the hardest things to do. I'm a surgeon, I work on the face. So I'm used to working with my hands. I wear loops when I work um, and I'm used to working on the face and harvesting hair what it takes to harvest a hair is extraordinarily difficult because you have a spinning device trying to go to a small thing, we're talking about microns thick, you know, about 60 to 70 microns thick. You have to see the hair on the outside. You have to also understand where the hair is on the inside, that angle changes. As the spinning device hits your skin, it's going to move your hand. If your patient's breathing, it's going to move, um, which we could talk about how the artist uh, handles people with breathing. Um, so all these factors, when you're dealing with micron type surgery, all of these factors affect it. Once you hit the skin, the hair is at a different angle than what you see on the outside. What your eyes see oftentimes, and most people who are looking with loops actually don't see stereoscopically, which is what the artist sees. They actually see, um, kind of with a two dimensional aspect to it. So they're missing the, the three dimensional relationship and it hits it. So I think, Comparing the world's best FUE person manually versus artists, uh, I'll go back to you on your thoughts. You have to assume that this is the best FUE harvester ever in the planet we can use instead of the Midwest. Um,
1: um, yeah, oh, I mean I, 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 there are there are to be sure there are some extremely talented doctors and surgeons who have amazing skills with their hands and and do quite well. Um, you know, manually. I think it's 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 a very difficult thing to do. I don't think everyone um, has those skills, and we also have to remember it's it's not just once, twice. This is you're doing this two thousand times, and so uh, can you say that the one thousand five hundred fiftieth time you do it is the same as the second or third time you do it? I think it's really difficult. There's a sort of a a, rep, uh, a repeatability aspect with a robot that is just built into Robot precision, it's repeatable, and its efficiency is what you get from from robotics. And just the ability to um, maintain focus, concentration, and that sort of um, physical dexterity over that amount of time is very, very difficult. Um, you know, there are some you know outstanding surgeons who, who get very, very good results, but I think for most doctors, um, it's hard to compete with a device that sees so well, has such uh, precise movements and is is extremely repeatable um, over thousands and thousands of these very small, repetitive moments movements.
0: I would, I would say it's impossible for a human to compete with that. It's not going to happen. I, I just don't think it's possible because it's not possible for someone to do that. And if you did it on one case and you did it over and over again, most of the people are actually going to get some sort of wrist issue or elbow issue because it's that aspect, that repeated motion. Um, so even if you could do it, I have not seen a person who can do it yet, whether it's a surgeon or technician, whoever, I have not seen a person who can do that repeatedly like as good as an artist. I've never seen a person as good as an artist. Um, and that aspect is me looking at lots of docs and looking at scopes and microscopes and looking at T's, looking at data. That's the big thing. Um, I have not seen a human that can do it as well as an artist. Okay, so we're talking about harvesting, the mechanics of harvesting. We're talking about the vision of harvesting, which I think are two really important parts about that. And I think the part that you mentioned is non-fatigability, reproducibility. These are things that people don't take into account. So you know what you're going to get with an artist. Um, you're, again, I'm, I, I measure myself. This is a looks like a wedding ring, um, although I wear it. I'm married. Um, it's actually an aura ring, so I know what my sleep. So my sleep number was good last night. But let's say I had a bad sleep number. I know that I'm prepared. I was prepared today. My sleep readiness score was like, you know, way in the 80s. Um, I try to make myself as zoned in as possible, as reproducible as possible. So I'm always on, but I'm a human being and we can't always be, um, you know, um, you know, we can't be always as perfect. At least we know with the artists, we're going to get something that's super reproducible. It's never going to have, um, a restless night of sleep. Um, and again, I try not to. I try to make myself as um, as much like a like a robot. You see, what I'm saying that uh, with those aspects of, of that, so I can be as reproducible and have everything um, like that. Okay, so I think if you're comparing, we're we're talking about best case scenarios with that. That's harvesting. That's getting the hair out. Um, and I think my experience has been um, it, it was mind blowing when I looked at data. Um, so I used to do things by hand. This is me, and this is me having other people assist me in that aspect. The numbers I think that people report on transactions are probably way, way exaggerated. And it's their guesstimates because people aren't keeping track of it. And when you look at those data points, people sometimes talk about 5%, 10%. I believe they're, at best case scenario, 30% transactions. That's my opinion, and some probably higher than that. And that's why you're seeing people um, use 2,000 graphs to try to get a thousand graft result. That's why you're trying people doing that because they know there's some waste in there. We have a limited number of hairs here. We only have so many hairs we can harvest. Why waste those hairs? Um, you need to preserve every one of those hairs. So the extra value you get from artists, it's it's inserting your result. And one of my one of my best um, results is a patient I did, I think I did five hundred grafts on him. And if you look at his result with 500 grafts, people are like, how the heck did you get a 500 graft uh, result with him? There's no possible to do that. His T-rate was zero. So I had a zero-rate T-rate, and, um, and he had PRP, other stuff like that. But that's it's not the point where he got his hair from. Every graft I put in, I'm sure survived because there's no way it's possible to do that with 500 grafts. So um, he was quoted 2,000 grafts, 2,500 grafts. I did 500 grafts on him. And you can tweak the artist in so many different ways, uh, uh, including skipping ones and doing that. So you can maximize the number of hairs and minimize the number of grafts. And having control as a physician and having control as a patient, I think, is such an underestimated part about this technology. Um, uh, So, again, that's my point. So my stats on myself, by the way. um, I could have had my hair done probably 15 years ago. Um, My first option was strip. And I never would put a scar on my head. Um, so it's one thing to, I just don't believe in that. So I, I just don't even offer that as an option in my practice. I would never do it to myself. The issue with that is uh, some nerve numbness, some issues with that aspect. Um, even in females, artists is not approved. It's not FDA approved for females. I do artists on them, off label. Um, even for eyebrow patients, I use artists. Again, it's not FDA approved for that. I use it as an off label indication of that. Even in African-American patients, I use artists for that. It's, an, it's off-label. This is stuff that you guys can't talk about, but I can talk about. Um, I use it off-label. I use it for every application of hair because I'm a believer in the aspect of, of the technology and how it works for that. I don't believe in, in, in a scar in the back. So that's number one. Um, my second option was FUE manually. And, again, knowing some pretty good surgeons across the country, that was not an option for me because of T rate and transection rate. I want to get the least amount of hairs out. So I had a 1,000 hairs placed in my head. Um, and, um, everyone always wants to know like, how many hairs are transected. It's the stat. I can see that you got people love stats. I had one hair that was transected, which was like, I mean, there's no one in the world who can do that. It's like, it's not even close to that aspect of it. And, um, it's one thing to see it on other patients, but when you experience it yourself, you're like, I mean, this is the, this is the game changer, game changer technology in hair. Um, 2011 was not the game changer technology, it was the beginning, it was the, the sapling, it was the trial that needed to be nurtured. And mm-hmm. thankfully it was nurtured to where it is right now, which is this, uh, this prodigious giant. Uh, so, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, a couple of things on artists. Uh, we talked about some of the technical aspects for it. Um, let, let's talk about some stats on this because you guys know some stats that I don't know. What's the most hairs that have been harvested in an hour? On an artist, do you guys know off the top of your head? I, I don't know that number,
1: but I think it's probably fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred, Something around fourteen hundred, yeah. We have some. We have some. Um, there are some artist users that pretty regularly can harvest uh, over twelve hundred um, per hour, and uh, as high as fourteen hundred, I think we've seen in an hour.
2: And of course, that depends, you know, on the on uh, on the donor area of the patient, on the training level and experience level.
1: Um, yeah, and a lot of it is also, you know, some doctors are very, um, you know, uh, have a very tight surgical workflow, and other doctors not maybe as tight. You know, some doctors are are very every single it's everything is is sort of scripted and choreographed within the uh, within the procedure. So everyone kind of needs to know what they have to do at work right time, and they save. They're much more efficient that way. So these are some doctors that have really mastered the surgical workflow and they can, um, you know, come up with these rates. The, um, you know, uh, other doctors aren't as, you know, aren't as picky about that. And so maybe they don't go quite as fast.
0: Yeah, I think the fastest I've been, it was, it was like a 1100. And uh, again, a lot of it varies. I think my experience on that is going to be patient selection. Um, and some patients have, um, you know, it's just like with anything with surgery. And for me, it's not a race. You want to get the best outcomes from that. Okay. Uh, but I also want to minimize the time that someone's in the chair because I think out of graft time is something um, I emphasize to patients. And I'm just going to kind of clarify what that is to our, our listeners. So out of graft time is the amount of time your graft is out of your head. And so we always try to minimize how long that hair is out of your head so we can put the hair right kind of back in. And, um, I think I view hair, um, when you take out a hair, a follicular unit out as an organ. And so kind of like when you take, when people do heart transplants and they do kidney transplants, um, you really have to nourish that hair and everyone has their own proprietary thing that they nourish the hair with to prevent it from going into shock. Um, and I think that, you know, you know, for me, it's really important to get the hair back in because just like we wouldn't want to put a heart in two weeks later, uh, we probably don't want to do that to hair. Um, uh, kind of going with that. How many artist procedures do you know that have been performed to date, um, kind of worldwide? Do you know that number off the top of your head? I...
1: Yeah, it's, it's probably uh, we we were estimating at over thirty thousand to date. Thirty thousand.
0: That's a lot of hair.
2: Um, That's a lot. Yeah. Um, That's millions follicles. Yep.
0: Now, is this true? I've noticed. I, I've had it. I loved it from the get go, but I've noticed even in the last year, it seems like it's just even smarter than it was like a year ago not like a lot but just a little bit more consistent a little it just i mean it was i mean i did my hair like almost a year ago uh but um again i've loved it at the get-go but i've noticed that it's been less variability from patient to patient um and it's just um smarter than it was even a year ago is that possible
1: yeah 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 definitely i you know i you know, Auggie can speak to this, but I, you know, I'll just maybe it doesn't. They, they work incredibly hard all the time in trying to improve the system. So, you know, what he's talking about, how we started with doing, you know, 40 hairs in a case, and now 4,000. Uh, the same thing is true. I and mean, we was talking about, well, they developed the automation to make it faster, and, and that's a continuous improvement cycle that we do. We're always looking at ways to make it uh, to get better outcomes for the patients to make it. Uh, faster, easier for the for the doctors, more accurate, and so it's an ongoing you know this is an ongoing um, uh, you know activity for us. Um,
0: and I think one of the things with artists too is that it's not just in anyone's hands. Like I can't just go to someone and say I'm going to buy an artist. I you have to you have to buy it from Restoration Robotics and enjoy that aspect of it because. Um, you have to get trained with it because this is a piece of technology that's not like me buying a laser and say, hey, we're going to have a one-day seminar on it. I think one of the coolest things about it, uh, and this is me from being uh, you know, an artist user and, and, and lover of the product, is that um, there's a lot of dedication on the side of restoration robotics where you, your company uh, trains people. You physically send people over and say, hey, we want you to be comfortable with this robot, and you have to reach a certain level of competence just to use this device because if you can't, you know, we don't want you using this device. You have to be so, it, and it provides a sort of consistency throughout the brand and the product. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to it because um, if there's a problem, and this is what I tell my staff, it's not probably the robot, it's probably us. And if that, it sounds strange, uh, but that, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Like I always say, like, you know, if something didn't get sent, I don't think the computer made the mistake. We probably made the mistake. What, what did we need to do better? And I think they think the same thing with artists. I think we have to think like a computer. Like, did um, what are we doing to make this so it's consistent from patient to patient? So the experience. So from someone with blonde hair, uh, you know, so from uh, Eric and Augie's hair, if you look at their hair, you say, how can we make your hair? Both of you guys have fantastic hair, by the way. I'm not telling you should be on the uh, – uh, uh, under the artist uh, thing, yeah, uh, but uh, you both have awesome hair. But making sure that your hair results, your case—if you have two patients similar hair—you're going to get the exact same experience. And so we've tried really hard to make sure that that's the issue because I don't think it's the artist; it's the it's us doing that aspect, which I, I found to be true too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that consistency is is a really important thing. And and you know, the, I I sometimes think of artists as like a. Uh, as like a surgical fellow that uh, is always there. it's It, it um, always shows up. It's the best fellow you could ever have because it's it's always happy to be working. It never gets tired. It does exactly what the attending physician says, and it's always accurate, always precise um, every single time.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of a trend I'm seeing in here right now too is I'm seeing people getting FUE elsewhere. Sometimes they're going overseas. Uh, they're going people handheld FUE, and then what's happening to the back of their head is you see an obvious – not not my hair. I have an artist, so you can't see anything, so I can show that in the back. But what you see is this – it's like a shotgun went off in their head, and you can see these obvious areas where they're missing hair, obvious things. There's obvious patterns of hair loss. And, um, again, I can't speak to that because I don't do handheld like that. But um, can can you explain why artists – uh prevents over uh over harvesting and prevents that visibility so what's built into it what's baked into it to prevent that that look because i've never seen it in one of my artist patients but i see it all the time in these outside patients and it it's really it, it does a disservice to fue
1: right yeah i mean, think i mean the artist can um be programmed to harvest whatever you know number of hairs and there it has intelligence to sort of choose hairs in a way that that sort of leaves a natural so uh if you just set it up and you set certain parameters on that like how much um you know how much density you want to leave or you know what kind of spacing you that uh, you want to get uh, uh as a doctor between your harvested hairs the robot will do that and it'll do it in a way that leaves a natural result um if you're doing it just by hand you're sort of uh kind of picking and choosing and uh it's sometimes Hard to see the forest through the trees in that, that type of situation. So there may be cases where someone just doing it by hand over harvests an area. Artists will never do that um, unless the doctor programs it in and says, "Yes, I want you to harvest every single hair in this area," which you know they wouldn't do. But um, there are a lot of uh, th- that's part of the great automation and the intelligence of the system is that the doctor can sort of set the basic parameters and the artist will go and will select the right hairs and leave a result that is a very natural looking result.
0: Okay, we're we're gonna talk about site making for a little bit. And so um, we've talked a lot about the harvesting aspect of artists. Um, We've talked, and so uh, for site making for the audience is once the hair is harvested, you talk about making sites where the hair is gonna go. And um, uh, so we'll we'll talk about that aspect. So with the artist system right now, we'll talk about site making before we talk about graft uh, implantation. Um, and then we'll talk about where you think that's going to go in the future and some challenges. Uh, so with site making, essentially what happens, um, is we make little sites throughout the head. Um, and then those are the sites where the hairs that have been taken out are going to go back into, um, into the, into the hell, into the scalp. So, um, with site making, um, that's been probably the, the second phase. Um, obviously the, uh, the harvesting is still always being updated, but that was the second phase of, of the artist system was the site making. Um, Uh, So what were some of the challenges of site making and what are some of the areas that um, I I currently do site making by hand? Um, uh, I'm a data driven guy. um, So um, maybe you'll convince me to I I have that feature. Maybe you'll convince me to to, I should use that more, maybe not more. Uh, We'll go back and forth to talk about that too a little bit. So let's talk about site making. What were some of the challenges and where it's at right now?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think site making is a great option for physicians. Uh, So one of the main um feature of the site making uh, is that uh, the doctor is still in, fully in control, so we provide software to create a treatment plan so the doctor can choose uh, where all the hairs are going to be placed, in which directions they're going to grow, what are the densities, um, and the, that plan is then being transferred to the system, which executes that plan. When the system creates sites, uh, we can see hair, just like when we do harvesting, we also see existing terminal hair and we avoid them. So that can be, um, that's easier for us than a person just doing it by hand, of course, for all all known reasons that that we talked about. Um, And, um, you know, our speed is also well over 2,000 sites uh, per hour. So it's uh, quite comparable, probably uh, faster than a human hand.
0: Uh, yeah, and I think my uh, my use of sight-making is if I shave the head, I'm doing sight-making. And if I am um, if I leave cool. the hair long, I'm doing doing it by hand. And that t- typically is how I roll with it, um, cool. and I think the advantage of that. I think the cool thing in the sight-making software is you can see the number of hairs that were saved, which is a nice thing for patients to see that and visualize that aspect of it. Um, the, one of the challenges in sight-making, um, I think, uh, is Temple still – uh, hairline and crown, right? That's still, um, would you say it's still two, two, couple areas that kind of designing the front of the hairline, which again, that it comes into the surgeon aspect of it. That's the artistic aspect of it. Um, and then, um, and temples, uh, and do you think that will change anytime soon or do you think that's still always going to be kind of one of those hand touches?
2: Ted, uh, so hairline uh, is not a problem. So over time, we talked about, you know, system uh, being improved. So recently we have improved uh, the workflow. So when we do site making, actually patient sits in a, in a nice uh, comfortable position, which also allows the system to have a really good uh, angle for creating a hairline. And we also provide uh, very nice software tools for the doctors to replicate exactly what they would do by hand. We have special... Uh, algorithms that we develop with, uh, together with uh, um, very important doctors, how to pr- create um, hairline properly. So we, the system can do hairline, not, not a problem. And in addition, the new robotic arm is uh, has is able to maneuver better, and uh, we can get to the harder areas that that were. Um, Harder in the past, so we can get to the temporal areas easy, easier now. Right,
1: and then the crown—the crown is, is uh, for future development, and we fully expect to be able to do that. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a, a big challenge, a bigger challenge to to train a robot to go around in that. Um, there's a lot of logical things that you have to put in place and decision making that you have to you know uh, allow the, the system to do, teach the system to do. So that's definitely on our roadmap. But I think, you know, supporting what Augie said is we, we do have some features, some new features now that um, allow for uh, um, the establishment of the hairline, helps the doctor do the design. And then, of course, um, it, it executes exactly the design that the doctor wants. So um, um, we're, you know, we, we encourage doctors to try that. But we also know that some doctors really like to do that by hand. And that's totally fine and appropriate. It's just however they feel uh, best.
0: Um, and then, uh, if we're talking about uh, implantation, so um, you know, kind of implanting hairs, um, how how has that changed over the last, uh, you know, uh, I probably even say a few months. I'm sure that's still kind of uh, rapidly evolving uh, technology. Part of that,
1: um, yeah. So, so implantation is the newest um, uh, functionality that was launched with our, our most recent platform, which is the IX system. And um, implantation is, you know, in, in some ways, I mean, it started at a, at a really good level, but we're already seeing improvements. And most of those improvements are in the sort of the, again, the surgical workflow and the sort of the speeds and rates that uh, we can work at. Um, you know, this is this is brand new stuff. Right. We're 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 sort of creating this um, and no one's done this before. And so there's always going to be a lot of learnings. But, and what we're seeing just in the, maybe the you know, seven or eight months that the system's out there is that we're able to, um, doctors are able to more consistently, uh, achieve, you know, implantation rates that, um, rival, say, one or, you know, two, two, um, texts like implanting. So we're talking about the six to 700 grafts per hour implantation. Uh, we're making it just more consistent so doctors can achieve that in a more regular basis.
0: Um, what's the smallest uh, um, What's the smallest site you can make with site making? Can you make it with Can you go down to a twenty with that? On um, uh, or is it nineteen or eighteen? Right go?
2: now, for implant, uh, for, for implant, implant is nineteen. It's nineteen uh, gauge for uh, site making and implant. Yes,
0: uh, nineteen for that. Okay, that's right. what
2: that's what the company slightly offers. under a millimeter. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, and then, um, uh, so again, awesome amazing product that um, I think that anyone thinking about hair, and this is myself included, um, I'm I'm an artist person uh, that uh, I'm uh, Again, I love my hair and uh, it's always uh, uh, It looks
1: great, by the way. I was really happy to hear that you you had an artist procedure because your hair looks fantastic.
0: uh, It's not Photoshop. It's not a filter you're looking at. When when the filter goes off, you're not going to see like a giant dome uh, going through here. so where do you see artists in the future? So uh, it, it's so many different areas. I use it off-label. I talked about some things that I use it for, which I probably not um, – I, I don't know if those are areas that you guys are studying. I use it for eyebrows. Um, I love it for eyebrows. It's amazing because you can pick ones. You can do different things with it. I, I love it for – I think in the past it was studied for African-American hair. And actually, we use an African-American hair with, with great success – um, and we have a lot of patients with traction, particularly African-American females. Um, and, um, we were a little nervous using this in the beginning and it's, um, it actually, we don't actually have to alter the angles too much. I was talking to a lot of people before we, um, we were starting to do this. It's actually super uh, adept at doing that aspect of it. Um, and so, um, white hair, which is off label, blonde hair, we've used that. Obviously there's, there's alterations to this. Um, where do you see this product, um, in the future? uh and in future directions of where this is going
1: yeah i mean my opinion and and Auggie sure. give his i mean i know that um you know we're going to continue to to press the boundaries of the the uh, functionality and the technical aspects i mean for me i see the cases becoming faster and more efficient uh you know we'd like to, to get the size down so a, a doctor can, uh, can consider doing two cases in one day on a system. I mean, typically a hair restoration case is a full day. Uh, we think that we can get it to a point where uh, we can get it fast enough and efficient enough so a doctor can do two a day. And that just really helps um, you know, get with their, with their throughput. And um, you know, if they're having technicians there, it sort of makes it um, uh, more worth the while of having that technician there. Um, I think we talked about some of the expansion to be able to do the crown. So I guess providing it just a, a complete solution for be able to do hair everywhere. I think, you know, speaking to the, you know, the off label and things, of course, you know, our our um, we're our indication is for straight uh, dark hair on males. Um, that's a, that's a product of, of the study that we did. So we had to do a, a clinical study to get our clearance uh, for hair transplantation and and and. Uh, on that study we use males with dark hair um you know if we if to expand that that indication we would need to go back and, and redo that study for every other single type and you know that's something we'll consider but um those that's a very difficult study to do because you're literally counting hairs and you have to wait a year after you do the patients and you have to follow them quite a long time so um you know there there are some issues around that but um um, we, um, you know, the the same tools. You know, the the system is the system, and the doctor um, is licensed to use that in the way that he or she thinks is best. And but we have definite indications that that we stick to when we talk about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I totally agree with Eric. I think a company as a company, we are quite focused right now on, on delivering uh, harvesting and implantation. Completely done in a much more reasonable time than right now. I mean, it's pretty difficult both for the patient and for the doctor to do a hair transplant whole day. All uh, yeah. So, yeah, we we are committed to to lessen that pain, and um, that's beneficial for the patient. It's it's good for the for the doctors as well, and uh, we are on a good uh, um, um, path to deliver that.
0: You know, I I actually I don't like the word hair transplant. And that sounds strange because I actually think it's an antiquated term and it's used from people using strips. And I actually think when the way people think of hair transplants, I think is kind of different because people used to think of this, Hey, guess what? I'm going to do a strip and you need a minimum number of hairs. You need a thousand hairs or two thousand hairs. And I think a lot of people, um, especially the older surgeons think in those terms. Um, And I don't, I don't like that word hair transplant. I've had it done. I don't like saying I've had a hair transplant. So I actually say hair redesign, um, and I, I have a lot of patients who come in and say, hey, guess what? This bothers me. I, I have a little issue with my temples. I have a little issue with this aspect, and if you want to throw 500 hairs, it's not a big deal to harvest 500 hairs and put 500 hairs in someone to do bra- – and so it, you're redesigning your hair, and that's the aspect of it. So I think of this almost as this fluid plastic uh, – again, this is me being a facial plastic and hair surgeon, um, that aspect. So I'm not a big fan of the word hair um, – a hair transplant i like hair redesign because i just don't think it's helpful and again, along those thoughts um when people do a hair transplant they're limited because they have a scar in the back of their head and a lot of my patients they want to wear their hair really short and it's kind of underestimated that you can't do that anymore it's never emphasized to them and they, they cut their hair down to a two guard and like oh my god what's this white line there how do i get rid of it um and so you want to have more hair flexibility not less flexibility you want to be able to do more things with your hair Part of the reason I did it was because I wanted to do some crazy haircuts, but my hair, actually, I didn't do anything crazy. My hair's not purple in a mohawk, but, um, you want to be able to do it under, whatever you want to do with your hair, you can do that. And yeah. I think that's the whole point of, of, of this. Um, so, uh, yeah, so fascinating stuff with that aspect. Yeah. Um, um, I think another interesting thing is how artists is dedicated to their users. And, um, you guys had a, a user meeting, uh, typically every other year, every year where all the people with artists come together. So it's not just, you know, the AI part where people are, you know, the computers, you're getting the data, it's actually people talking about things. And, I, and you can see that, um, uh, I think, Eric, uh, you were, at the, were you at the meeting in Las Vegas.
1: I was at the, uh, uh, I, I was not, I, I missed that one, but uh, my, my, my colleagues were for sure, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, but I, I saw a decent number of colleagues there, and it's interesting because um, uh, you see this collaboration of what people are talking about, what's working, what's not working, and you see a lot of people kind of taking notes of, you know, within the company itself and say, what can we do to make this better? Because this is not not like a static product that's fixed. It's a product that's always evolving, always getting better. And that's been my experience with, um, with even within the last year. Um, actually, at the meeting, I was actually telling uh, Augie about this a little bit earlier. Um, they had a magician. It was in Las Vegas, the last meeting. Um, and they randomly picked me up to go on stage. Um, and so one of the magicians act... Uh, he had a knife, and he said, "I want you to hold this board and don't move." And so he threw a knife. I have it on video, and the board hit the. I was. I think it's a real knife. I'm not sure if it was a real knife. And I was like, "Oh my god! Um, if you hit the hair, at least I, we can repair that and put some more hair up there. But uh, don't hit my hands or hit my hit my face."
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think your your points there are are you know, appreciate them. And, and, you know, we are always looking at making it better. And I think the other thing you touched on before was sort of the training, the educational aspects, like this, yeah, this is a different procedure than just say a laser procedure where you, you buy the box and then you send a technician in, you know, you are, uh, you know, basically you're taking tissue from one place of a body movement to another, it's a surgical procedure. So, um, it's very important for us that we provide all the support that we can to our, our our customers. That's in training, and then users meeting are a great way to share best practices and for us to be able to communicate those, and then have the users talk amongst themselves and and compare. It's like how do you get these, you know, how how do you do your procedure? How do you become more efficient? Things like that. So um, we're super dedicated to the support aspect, um, and you know we want. You know, our our success is tied to our customer success, um, and we're just always striving to make it better, faster, easier um, for a doctor to give a patient the outcome that he or she wants.
0: And I, I, I'll try to wrap this up a little bit. But I, a question I always get asked is, um, why aren't more people, why aren't more hair surgeons using artists? Because I saw it. I saw the latest version. It was like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. I mean, we talked about some of the, um, kind of physical advantages. We talked about some of the stereoscopic advantages. We talked about, you know, kind of so many things built into it. Um, it's almost like a chess match. You can see the harvest is not only harvesting the hair it's working on, it already knows where it's going next and it already knows where it's going next. So it's always a step ahead. Um, so my question is, um, as a patient, uh, you know, and as a doctor, I know what's best. Um, why do some docs still not get it? Like, what are some of the obstacles? I'm not sure you guys are on that end and more in the development, but... What, what...
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could probably speak to that a little bit. Um, you know, I think that, um, like, in general, doctors are um, fairly conservative and resistant to change, and for good reason, right? I mean, they're science-based, and they um, want to make sure that uh, when when they get a technique that they believe works in their hands, of course, that's that's the technique that they're going to use, and it's, it's, uh, sometimes difficult to change those ways. And I can speak also from experience of, um, you know, coming from a company like intuitive surgical where you're training surgeons who have been doing a surgery a, a certain way to now use a robot. Um, there is a learning curve and someone becomes very, very good at doing a procedure in a certain way. And then you say, Hey, look, I've got a different way to do it. They kind of have to go back and learn. And uh, many doctors maybe aren't as, uh, open to doing that, they feel like that what they do is, is good for their patients. So I think there's, you know, from our standpoint, I mean, we're, um, we have, you know, a long way to go in terms of, of um, educating uh, the, the community um you know what we we try to you know do this through the different societies and things like that and i think that um really you know a, as we um now have a device that provides a more complete solution where it can do you know part of the implantation as well as the harvesting and the site making that doctors will start to see the uh, the some of the benefits there um i think you know one of the things that we've talked about is some of the physical issues that doctors who do. And, you know, I think can see that in terms of preserving their, their career and, and their body and just the pain that they might feel, um, that using a robotic assisted solution is really quite a good thing that it actually can prolong their, their career and their practice. Um, they don't go home aching and having pains, uh, over their bodies because they're crouched over in certain ways, trying to manipulate something thousands and thousands of times. So I think that, you know, um, we have a very um dedicated base of users that many are are came up as hair surgeons we also see now that um there are other types of say dermatological uh, surgeons or um other doctors who are adding uh, the hair hair uh, uh how do you say hair remodeling as a as a hair an, design uh, hair redesign as a as a um something that they offer and so um as we sort of get the, the word out and and we have sort of add these features, I think the sort of the tipping point is coming where they're going to say, OK, I see what it takes me to do it this way. I can go over here and do it the other way. And they're going to start to choose a robotic assisted. And I you know, I think that's in general the trend in in um, in the you know, in, in our in our world that uh, we're seeing the benefits that robotics can bring to many, many little tasks. Uh, and this is just the perfect one for a robotic application.
0: And in the hair world, it's interesting that even microscopes, believe it or not, is something like when people are looking at hair follicles, which is clearly uh, the standard, people were resistant to that in the 90s. And then people, so it's like you see this resistance, and even with open gallbladders versus laparoscopic, people were resistant to that. And I think one of the things you see is when people know a certain way of doing something, they feel like that's the best way. And they have to be, like you mentioned, it's open-mindedness to, to things that are, are different than they're used to. And I think that's one factor is uh, maybe close-mindedness, open-mindedness of that aspect. Um, and, uh, you know, I always try to embrace technology. And I think that um, if you deliver better outcomes for your patient um, and have a happier patient. And the more educated patients right now are seeking this. And I think they're demanding uh, this technology. Um, and um, I don't have people – again, I'm a different practice because I, I I only do artists. But I don't have people saying, would you please do a strip on me? I mean, it's just like not something we would even offer them, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't have that uh, that aspect. And um, Or would you please not use this high-tech piece of equipment and just use your hand to take it out? I don't have anyone telling me to do that. So I think that's um, – you, you see where the trend is. And if you see where the future of medicine's going, it's not going to be going back to handheld stuff. It's going to be going more towards – um uh, automated uh, improvements uh, that you know we can do that and combining the best of um, artistic design with robotic design altogether.
1: No you're absolutely right and I think your your point about the, the your consumers these days, they're they're very educated and they they have a lot of information at their fingertips and they they will go and do the research. I mean back in the day you, you go to the doctor and the doctor said, well here are your two options and now you know, the, the patient will come in and say, I know all of the options. I've done the research. There's five. Tell me about these two, or here are the ones I'm interested in. And I think, you know, as you start to get, uh, like you said, patients um, are seeking this type of technology, you're going to get more doctors who say, okay, I better take a look at what's going on here, because I'm getting more and more people coming in and saying, I've done the research. I know about what, you know, STRIP is. I know about manual FUE. I know about suction devices, and I also know about artists. And I want you to tell me what's the best for me. Um, so doctors really kind of need to get on the ball with some of this new technology, or else they're going to miss, I think, a big part of the patient population, particularly you know the younger generations now, the ones who are sort of coming of age and you know certainly need you know maybe looking for uh, hair remodeling. Um, hair, redesign. Hair, <laughs> hair redesign. Hair redesign. I keep this. I'm sorry. Hair redesign. Yeah, and they're, they're looking <laughs> for hair redesign, and and they. Um, they want technology, they embrace technology, and they they see the benefits of that and so uh you know some doctors that aren't really up on that they're going to miss um, this whole class or generation of of patients looking for these types of solutions.
0: awesome well uh, thank you so much for for educating me and educating our audience on on artists and uh and thanks for doing all you do for all of our patients uh including myself um so uh uh, thanks so much, guys.
1: Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaw.
0: Always a pleasure. All right, go. Thanks.